If you have your Bibles this morning, will you turn to Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 63. Psalms, chapter 63. This morning we'll be looking at three short verses. Verses 1 through 3. My name is Michael. I am the children and families minister here. And I am delighted for this opportunity. And as we read God's Word together and seek to preach it, I ask that you pray with me and for me that God would move in our hearts and lives. Psalms chapter 63, I would like to read verses 1 through 8, and then we will concentrate in on verses 1 through 3. Hear God's Word this morning. O God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for You. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night... For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Let's pray together once again. Father... We need to hear from You. God, we do not want to merely learn of You, but God, we want to taste of You and experience You and to know You and to long for You. And so, Father, I pray by Your Spirit, through Your Word, that You would speak to our hearts. Give us hearts to receive. Father, he who has ears to hear, let them hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. What is it that you long for? How would you fill in the blank I long for? What is it that you seek? 
If you're a child, you might answer that question. I long for a new squishmelon. How many of y'all know what a squishmelon is? (laughs) Or maybe a new video game. If you are a teenager, you might answer that question. I long for a car or some freedom. For a college student to be finally done with school. Or maybe a young adult to finally find a spouse. Or that dream job. For others, it may seem they have longed for kids or their kids to be successful. For others, it's retirement. Only a few more years. I can't wait. For others, it's a health issue they long to see healed. Or maybe for others, it's just to see their kids or grandkids happy. We are all striving. We are all seeking. We all have longings. In our verses this morning, God's Word addresses our longings. And its message is to let our longings lead us to God. Oftentimes our experience of God can become clouded over, if you will. The distractions of life, our sin can blur our vision of what we truly need. But God is not far off. God is a friend. God is a Father. And our longings and our desires are there to point us to something greater to point us to God Himself. You see, there is only one who satisfies. There is only one who brings true joy. And that is Christ Himself. This morning in Psalms chapter 63, we see the title, the setting, if you will, of this psalm. It says, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. From the title, we see that King David, who was once a shepherd boy, is, who is turned into a king, is now on the run and in the wilderness. But this is not the first time that David has been on the run. If you'll remember the story King Saul, the very first king of Israel, grows jealous of David and seeks to kill him. But now time has passed and Saul is gone and David is king. But David's own son Absalom has led a rebellion seeking to overthrow his own father, King David. King David flees and it's in the midst of this setting that David is in the wilderness, that David laments and earnestly seeks the one thing that is necessary. He turns and cries out and thirsts for God. 
This morning we have one main truth. If I were to summarize the first three verses of this chapter, this is the main idea I would like to convey. It is simply this, because God's love is better than life, earnestly seek the one true God. Because God's love is better than life, earnestly seek the one true God. If someone this morning asks you what the message is about, what the sermon was, this is the heart of the message today. And from this main truth, we're going to see three answers, if you will, from our text. The question answers three different questions for us. Who are we to seek? How are we to seek? And why we should seek? So let's answer the first one. In verse number 1, the text declares who we are to seek. Verse 1 says, O God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. The psalm begins by David declaring, O God, you are my God. This may seem like David is repeating himself as he pours out his heart before the Lord in the desert, but David is declaring that Elohim, the God of Israel, is his God. In a day where the pagan countries around him would declare, Baal, you are my God, or Asherah, you are my God, David is declaring Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, as his God. In the midst of his distress, in the midst of his uncomfortness, he still acknowledges God and cries out to him. But notice, David declares God not just as a far-off deity, but he declares in verse 1, O God, You are my God. He is a personal, he has a personal relationship with this God. David knew God and he walked with God. And so now he is turning to God in the midst of his trouble. You'll remember the life of David, right? It was David who, as he was delivering a lunch to his brothers, that saw Goliath defying the God of Israel. And David saying, I will take on this giant Goliath, for the battle is the Lord's. And God will give me. Give him into my hands. David knew the power of God. It was David who, 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 when faced with death from King Saul, fled. And he saw God's protection and provision. It was David, remember, who danced. Who danced when the Ark of the Covenant came in. And his wife looked down upon him, but David says, 
It is before the Lord that I dance. It was David who committed sin with Bathsheba. But ultimately, after being confronted by Nathan, he seeks God and says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David has written many songs about his relationship with God. And so David knows God and has a relationship with Him. He knew God and God knew Him. This morning I ask you, do you know God? Are you known by Him? There's a difference between head knowledge and experience. Can you declare, as David declared, God, you are my God. I'm not asking if you know some Bible verses. I'm not asking if you teach Sunday school. I'm not asking if you can dissect the Scriptures. But do you know God? Do you experience God? Do you taste and see that the Lord is good? The Bible tells us not merely to know God, but to experience Him and to walk with Him. There's a difference between knowing with the mind that the Lord is holy and sensing the Lord's holiness and feeling your own sinfulness. There's a difference between knowing truths about God's love and experiencing the love of God poured out upon your heart. This morning, God wants you to be awakened to Him. God wants you and places in you a hunger and a desire to know Him. David in the wilderness sought the true and living God and it was his personal relationship with God that sustained him and strengthened him. Yet we are tempted so often to turn to so many different things for strength and satisfaction. Our hearts are idol makers and we are all sheep who have gone astray and We seek satisfaction in events and experiences instead of finding our joy in God Himself. These things we're to receive with thanksgiving. Instead, we make idols out of them. We fail to see what God has done. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Jeremiah 2, verses 12 through 13, it says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. We exchange the glory of God for that which is created. We worship the creation rather than the Creator. Or as John 7, 37-38 says this, 
on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Where is it that you can find lasting satisfaction in Christ alone? So we see, first off, who we are to seek. The one true God. Secondly, we notice, I want you to notice in verse 1 as well, how we are to seek God. With what intensity are we to seek God? Verse 1 says, Oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for You, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Earnestly we are to seek God. Not when I get around to it, but there is a fervency, there is a passion in seeking to know the one true God. This word is related to the word for dawn, and so some translations will will translate it as seek early. But this same word is used of, of wild donkeys looking eagerly for food. And so the point is to seek after God means to go after Him with an intense desire. It is setting of the mind and heart on God. Notice the picture in verse 1. He says, My soul thirsts, my flesh faints. Using these words of soul and flesh, he denotes his whole being. David longs and he hungers and thirsts for the living God. There is nothing else that will satisfy. This is not primarily a thirst for any of God's gifts, but it is a thirst for God. David had a heart for God. He had tasted fellowship with the Lord and he earnestly desires that fellowship with Him now. He's in the desert. He needs the Lord. And he declares, I need you. It's not an indifferent, but it is a thirst and a longing that will only be quenched by God alone. I don't know if you've ever been really thirsty I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you would do just about anything for a glass of water. But this is the picture we have here of David. He says, as if I am in a dry and weary land where there is no water. It's the picture of a man stranded in the desert with no water left, and he longs just for a little water to satisfy him. And so there's that earnestness to David. But it's interesting, as you read the Bible, we are commanded, right, to seek the Lord. 
It says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Other places it says, seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. But yet the Bible also declares, Romans 3.11, that there are none who seek Him. So where does this thirst come from? How do we receive this thirst for God that will satisfy? The natural man does not seek God. He does not understand the things of God. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Paul declares that those who have not received Christ through faith in Him, that the cross is foolishness. They have no desire, no longing for the things of God. The natural person does not get it. They do not understand it. They are not able to. As well as 2 Corinthians chapter 4, notice this verse. It says, Even if our gospel it is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So what does Paul say? For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as, ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Blinded. Unbelievers blinded to the truth. But what is the answer? Paul says we proclaim Jesus Christ. And as Jesus Christ's death on the cross and resurrection is proclaimed, that light of the gospel causes new birth in the heart of the unbeliever. And they believe in faith. One of the first indicators of new life or new birth that you have been born again is a thirst for the things of God. Hear me this morning. If you have no desire for the things of God, if you have no thirst for the things of God, if there's no wanting of the things of God, you need to be born again. Repent of your sins and trust in Jesus. But to those who have received this gift, to those who have cried out to faith in Him, there is a longing and a desire to know Him. Notice in verse 2, what does David bring to mind in order in seeking the Lord? 
He says, so I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. David recalls times of worship. He is now cut off. He's now in the wilderness. But he remembers. He remembers those times with God's people. And as with he was with God's people, he saw the power and the glory of God. One author said it like this. He said, both in the Old and the New Testament, God has blessed the regular gathering of His people with the vision of His power and glory. This is the vision that feeds our souls on Sunday morning. And then later on in the wilderness functions as a reminder that God is great indeed and makes us thirst and faint for His power and glory. The need of corporate Worship. We come here not to entertain ourselves, not to out of habit, but we come to declare and sing of His power and glory that we might behold Him and know Him more. What carried David through this wilderness? He remembers God. He remembers times of worship. He remembers being with the Lord. So the first reflection question for us was, who are we seeking or what are we seeking? The next one is, with what intensity are you seeking? Are you earnestly seeking the Lord? That leads us to our final question we see answered in verse 3. Why is it that we should seek the Lord? Why is it that we should seek God? Verse 3 says, Because your steadfast love is better than life. David desired God more than he even desired to live. In the midst of the wilderness, a fugitive on the run. In his hiding, David knows the Lord and he knows that it is better than life itself. He knows that his life is temporary, but God's mercies endure forever. What is it about God's love that makes it better than life. I wrote out or typed out or cut and paste four or five different scriptures about the love of God that is better than life. The first one is 1 John 4:19. Why is it that God's love is better than life? God's love is better than life because he is the initiator We love because He first loved us. Isn't it amazing? Our ability to love is because of God's love for us. 
He loved us first. There was nothing in us that deserved to be loved, but yet God in his grace and mercy pours out his love upon us and allows us to experience love. We love because he first loved us. What about this one? Psalm 136, verses 1 through 3. I could do the whole chapter, but you'll get the idea after the first three Verses. Why is God's love better than life? Because it is an everlasting love. Listen to Psalm 136, verses 1 through 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. Over and over and over again, the psalmist repeats, I give you praise, God. I give you thanks because your steadfast love is eternal. Before time, till the end of time, at all times, God loves. His steadfast love is forever. What about this one? This is probably one of my favorites. It says, God's love is better than life because nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Hear this one this morning. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a promise. What a promise that no matter what you go through in this life, for those who are in Christ, there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. Height, death, angels, rulers, death, life, He covers it all. What a God. We serve His love. It is better than life. And finally, what about this one? Romans 8, 6 through 11. Romans 8, 6 through 11. God's love is better than life because it is a sacrificial, saving love. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if we, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. 
More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now received reconciliation. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. David declares he has experienced it. Your steadfast love is better than life itself. No matter what may happen in this life, no matter where I am in the wilderness, I have tasted and seen your goodness. Why are we to seek God's presence? Why are we to long after Him and thirst after Him? It is because His steadfast love is better than life. We seek Him not to be righteous, right? None of us are righteous. But God's Son, Jesus, and through His death, by faith in Him, we can be made righteous. But we don't seek Him to be righteous. We don't seek Him in order to gain favor, rewards, but we seek Him in order to know Him and the power of His resurrection. This morning, have you experienced, are you meditating on the steadfast love of the Lord? One last verse, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I want you to hear Paul's heart and his desire. He says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Here's Paul's resume. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reasons for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel to the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as the law a Pharisee, as the zeal a persecutor of the church, as the righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I have, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that depends on faith, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection may share in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, everything in my previous life I count as rubbish. I count as loss compared to the value of knowing God. This morning, what are you seeking? Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. How are you seeking my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And why are you seeking? Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Will you bow with me this morning?
This morning I ask you these three questions. What is it that you are seeking? Maybe you've placed your faith in material things. You've placed your faith in jobs as your security. You've placed your faith in relationships. But know this, the only true satisfying joy can be found in Christ. And so this morning, would you cry out to Him? Would you ask Him to forgive you? Would you ask Him to give you a heart for Him? That you would experience Him and taste Him and not just know about Him. And maybe you're here this morning and the things of God have just sort of drone dull, grown dull to you. And need, you need your heart to be revived. You want to earnestly seek Him. You want to have that relationship like David had with Him. Would you call out to Him? Ask, knock, seek. It will be given to you. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never experienced the steadfast love of God that is better than life. The Bible says, if you will confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Would you call out to Him? Would you ask Him to cleanse you? Father, Move in our hearts. God, give us your heart. Give us your desire. God, make us thirsty for you. And may we be satisfied in only you. Forgive us for seeking joy that is not in you. Father, Maybe this week, we just need to get alone with God, worship Him, cry out to Him, and allow Him to minister to our hearts. If you're in the wilderness, like David, if you're in a dry and weary land, earnestly seek Him. His love is better than life. Father, we love You. We praise you. Overflow us with your spirit. We want more of you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.